So happy Easter. As we said before, this is the second Sunday in this season of Easter. And so we're going to continue along in the story as Luke tells it of that Easter day and of the resurrection of Jesus. So we're going to pick up where we left off. There's three stories we're going to look at last week, this week, and next week. Last week was verses 1 through 12 of chapter 24. And we listened as the women came to the tomb and found it empty, as they wondered what to make of it. As they reported back to the disciples who didn't believe a word they said, they thought it was nonsense. Peter runs to the tomb, finds it empty as well, and wonders what could have happened. We were invited to make Easter strange again and to realize again how difficult the resurrection is. How crazy it is to say we believe in such a thing and to recognize that once we say we believe it, it's going to change everything in our lives and in the world. We said last week that as we come into this Sunday, we'd hear something more about how the disciples moved from there to here, from confusion to faith. And that's the story we come to today. But before we turn to hear from it, we're going to pray that God would speak to us as we come to God's word listening today. So we have a song actually to join our hearts together in this prayer. We are listening and Sam and Greg will lead us in that.
Lord, it's in your light that we see light, in your truth that we find freedom, and in your way that we find peace. So guide us in your way. Amen. Do whatever you need to do to listen well, not just hear, but listen well to these words from the book that we love. On that same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. They were while they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? And they stopped, their faces downcast. The one named Cleopas replied, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who's unaware of the things that have taken place there these last few days? He said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus of Nazareth. Because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But... Our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago. But there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they'd even seen a vision of angels that said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women said. They didn't see him. Then Jesus said to them, You naive people, your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then he interpreted for them the things written about himself in all of the scriptures starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead, but they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it. He gave it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts on fire within us when he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scriptures to us? They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, the Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. This is Luke 24, verses 13 to 35. I invite you to keep your Bible open or the app up on your phone so you can follow along. We'll look at it a few times this morning. We're actually celebrating a first today. After eight and a half years together, I don't know how many more firsts we'll have, but here's another one. This is the first sermon I'm preaching on the Sunday after Easter with you. 
We're normally on vacation this week, but we're here this year, and so I'm preaching. And to celebrate the fact, you're going to get a bonus point in the sermon. We don't have a three-point sermon today. We have a four-point one. Do you feel as lucky as you are? I hope so. One of the things we learn in this passage is that all of Scripture points us to Jesus. So we're going to look at four things that Jesus does in this passage today. Jesus joins us along the way. Jesus stays when we invite him. Jesus unlocks the scriptures for us. And Jesus meets us at the table. Jesus joins us along the way, stays when we invite him, unlocks the scriptures, and meets us at the table. Jesus joins us along the way. One of the things I was struck by in studying and praying over this passage this week is the first interaction between Jesus and and these two disciples. It's in verse 17, if you want to look in your Bible. They've been walking along. They're leaving Jerusalem, heading out to Emmaus. Seven-mile journey. A stranger joins them. They don't recognize it's Jesus. And the stranger asks an innocent enough question. What are you talking about as you walk along? And as the stranger asks this question, they stop dead in their tracks. They're unable to take another step. Their faces fall downcast. This is where we find them on this Sunday of Easter. Downcast. Defeated. We weren't kidding when we said last week that they're in confusion that they have no idea what's happening. They've watched this rabbi that they've followed to Jerusalem, that they thought was going to redeem all of Israel. They watched him crucified, literally tortured and executed before their eyes. He died and was laid in a tomb. And now the grave is empty and they have no idea what to make of all of it. They're in darkness and despair and defeat. And that's where Jesus joins them along the way. That's the point at which Jesus arrives for the first time. That's the first sighting of the risen Jesus in the story of Luke is right there along the way as they're in the depths of despair and darkness and defeat. And that's not unique to this story. That is the story of Jesus That's the story of the incarnation, God taking on flesh, what we celebrate at Christmas. God takes on flesh and lives among us, dwells among us. I love the way Eugene Peterson translates it in the message, moves into the neighborhood. For Jesus doesn't just appear to be human, doesn't just seem to be sort of like us, doesn't just trick us into thinking he's actually a real physical human being for a few years and then in his resurrection we see what he truly is. No, Jesus takes on flesh and dwells among us. He was carried for nine months in Mary's womb. He was born. He was a child and had to grow up. He was an adult who walked among us and experienced everything that it is to be human. Hunger and thirst, need, desire, loss, hope, fear, sadness, all of it, 
everything that it is to be human, Jesus was. He joins us along the way. But more than that, as Paul sings in the great Christ hymn of Philippians 2, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, bragged over, clung to, but emptied himself, taking on human form. And being found in human likeness, he emptied himself further and became obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. The cross was the most horrible way Rome could dream up to kill someone, to make it painful and long, to make it a deterrent to anyone else to dare follow in this person's footsteps. And more than that, for the Jews, cursed is anyone who dies on a tree, Deuteronomy says. On the cross, Jesus not only has joined us in humanity, but joins us in all the suffering, all of the shame, all of the sin, all of the punishment, everything that we have deserved. He joins us at the very bottom of the pit, joins us in death itself. That's where Jesus shows up. Jesus joins us along the way in all the darkness of our lives. Jesus walks beside us. He meets these two disciples as they're walking along in the despair of that day. And they don't even recognize him until later. That part's interesting too, isn't it? That they look back later and go, weren't our hearts burning within us? Didn't we know something? But we couldn't recognize at the time that Jesus walked beside us. And how many of us can share a story like that? That in the grief after losing a loved one, in the disorientation after a diagnosis, in the struggle against a disease, in the despair of darkness and depression or anxiety, we feel as though we are alone on the journey of life. We are struggling and barely making it and the task is ours and ours alone. But that at some point we were able to look back And to see on that whole journey, there was a companion who walked with us. One whom we couldn't see or recognize at the time. But in looking back, we can see and name those moments of grace and mercy, of providence and of care. We can name that companion as Jesus Christ himself walking alongside us through all the darkness of this life. Friends, Jesus joins us along the way. That's the first thing we see about Jesus in this story. The second thing is that Jesus stays when we invite him. Something must have been stirring within these two disciples. Something lifts them above their grief and sorrow long enough to invite this stranger to stay with them. It's in uh, verse 28. They get to Emmaus. He acts as if he's going on ahead. They urge him, saying, Stay with us. It's nearly evening. The day's almost over. And so he goes in to stay with them. Hospitality, which is one of the chief virtues in Middle Eastern cultures, is the act of making room for another. Making room physically or emotionally. Physically, actually preparing a room in your home for someone else to join in. Maybe it's space at a table. Maybe it's just cleaning up so it's a more welcoming space for someone else to gather. Maybe these days it's a portion of your back patio or front porch. 
Maybe it's wearing a mask and staying six feet from others in public to make space for them to be there too as an act of love and hospitality. Or maybe making space is an emotional thing that we open space in our hearts and minds for another to enter in in conversation, that we are curious about them and ask questions, making space for them to open up and to be with us in relationship. These two disciples make space for Jesus. They welcome him into the home. They welcome him to their table, and he stays with them. And I don't think we can make too much of that small point. They invite Jesus and he stays with them. And we can't make too much of that because it's exactly what Jesus promised he would do. Back in Matthew 7, 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Ask and you will receive. Search and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Whoever seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door is opened. Jesus says something very similar in Revelation 3.22, speaking to the church in Laodicea. He says, look, I'm standing at the door and knocking. If any hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to be with them and will have dinner with them and they will have dinner with me. If you're trying to move from confession, from confusion to a confession of faith, from doubt and wondering and seeking of Jesus to knowing him, invite him in. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened and Christ will come in and share a meal with you and make his home with you. Make room for Jesus in your heart by moving its furniture off to the side, by throwing some of it away, that there would be room in your heart for Jesus. Make room in your calendar. Make room in your life. Invite Jesus in and he will stay with you. Seek him truly with all your heart and you will find him. Jesus not only joins us along the way, he stays when we invite him. Third thing Jesus does in this story, if I switch back to Luke 24, is that he unlocks the scriptures for us. The whole seven-mile journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus, Jesus spends unlocking the scriptures for these two disciples. The first thing that he does is reinterpret the crucifixion for them. This is another thing very interesting about the story, is that Cleopas, when he tells Jesus about Jesus, almost shares a summary of the gospel. He's almost there. He's got all the pieces but one. He says, uh, because of his powerful deeds and words, he's recognized by God and the people as a prophet. He was handed over and crucified. He even talks about the empty grave. But, he says, we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Cleopas still thinks the crucifixion was Jesus' defeat, that it's the interruption of his work as redeemer. And so Jesus says, naive people, 
Your dull minds make you slow to believe. Didn't the Christ need to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? The crucifixion isn't the defeat and the end. The crucifixion is the means by which Jesus has redeemed Israel and all creation with it. And then Jesus opens their minds and unlocks all the scriptures to them, showing them the things about himself on every page. For the whole arc of the Bible from beginning to end is all pointing to Jesus. He is on every single page and he is the one that unlocks all of its meaning. So we don't actually get the scriptures. We don't actually understand them until we come to see Christ in them. So again, if you want to move from confusion to faith, if you're trying to understand this world, your place in it, God and all that is, Open the Bible. Jesus is on every page. Jesus unlocks and opens its meaning for us. So meet him here. Open the Bible and read it. But don't just read it because it's not the words on the page that matter. It's Jesus in them. So pray for Jesus to come and join you in it. Those two disciples had the scriptures. They had read them and knew them well. But it took Jesus unlocking their meaning for them to see him on every single page. So pray for God to speak, for the Holy Spirit to be with you as you read your Bible, for God to open your ears and your mind and your heart to all God has to show you in these pages, for Jesus to unlock the scriptures and meet you here. If you want to find Jesus, read your Bible. Jesus joins us along the way. Jesus stays when we invite him. Jesus unlocks the scriptures for us. And the fourth thing is Jesus meets us at the table. They invite Jesus to stay and he does. Verse 30, after he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. He comes in to join them at the table and very quickly two things change. First, the guest becomes the host. Jesus, whom they've invited to their table, who comes and sits down as the guest, suddenly takes the bread himself, blesses God for it, breaks it, and starts handing it out. The guest becomes the host. And then the meal itself is also transformed for this simple meal that was before them is suddenly transformed in Jesus' hands into communion, Eucharist, the Lord's Supper. He takes, blesses, breaks, and gives the same four actions he did a few nights earlier at the Last Supper. The same actions we take here as we come to the table. We take the bread, we bless and give thanks to God, we break it and we give it. This simple meal is transformed into communion and then their eyes are opened and they see the risen Jesus seated right before them. Jesus meets them at the table and that's the same place he meets us. He promises, this is my body and this is my blood given for you. He promises to meet us at the table and he does. For as we gather here, we invite Jesus to come. 
And quite quickly, we find that the guest becomes the host as we are gathered up by the Spirit into heaven itself. And this small table is transformed into heaven's banquet table where we are seated now with Jesus at his own table as he offers the gifts to us of his body and blood for the simple elements of bread and grape juice are transformed as well. And Jesus gives us himself to strengthen and nourish our souls, to bind us together to him, and to open our eyes to him and his kingdom right in front of us. Every gathering, when we come to the table, is in Emmaus. And every Christian is a first-generation Christian because we too have met the risen Jesus as we come here to his table. But, friends, there's even more. Someone showed me this this week and I have to share it with you. The two disciples who experience all of this, we get one name and not the other. One is Cleopas. He's a disciple of Jesus. The other one remains anonymous. Cleopas hasn't shown up before this and doesn't show up after this in the Bible. But a lot of scholars think that Cleopas in Luke is the same person as Clopas in John. In John, there's a Clopas who's a disciple of Jesus, and his wife is mentioned with him, Mary. Mary, wife of Clopas, is one of those who's at the crucifixion, who's watching as Jesus is tortured and executed, who knows where his body was laid. Clopas and Mary. It would make sense, wouldn't it? For Clopas and his wife, Mary, to be leaving Jerusalem after the Passover festival, having come with Jesus, having witnessed all of this, now leaving to go home or maybe to the home of a family member in Emmaus, seven miles away, talking and debating with each other, trying to figure out what has happened, going back over it all again and again and again in their minds, everything Jesus had said and promised and everything they had seen. Clopas and Mary, a couple journeying together on this new week, Luke is clear about something else, too, as he tells this story. We said last week, the story of the resurrection starts with the word but. But, very early on the first day of the week. Luke is casting this as a new creation story. That just as God made the world in the first week, here a new week has begun. The direction has changed and something new is beginning. But, very early on the first day of the week, a new creation is starting in Jesus' resurrection. So here we have... A couple, a husband and a wife, sharing the first meal in the new creation. And we should be remembering the couple that shared the first meal in the first creation. Adam and Eve, Genesis 3, male and female, united together in one flesh by God, coming in the Garden of Eden too quickly to the tree that God commands them not to eat. And there they are seated at the table with the serpent as their host, taking the fruit from the tree. Eve says that it is good. And she breaks it and gives some to her husband. They eat and their eyes are opened, it says. Open to sin and brokenness and death opened to rebellion that will be the way of humanity. For we, from that moment on, have been lost to sin and bound by the ways that lead to death. 
until very early on the first day of the week, something new happens. And here we find another husband and wife gathered at a table, this time not with the serpent as their host, but with Jesus himself who offers them the gifts. He takes the bread, blesses it and gives thanks to God for it, breaks it and gives it to them. And as they eat, their eyes are opened too. But their eyes are opened not to sin and brokenness and death, but to the risen Lord Jesus who is seated before them. To Jesus himself and the new creation he is working, he is the one who is there at the table. He is the one who joins them, sitting right in front of them. Their eyes are opened and the shackles of sin and death fall off as they're welcomed into all this that God is doing. Their lives are changed forever. And the same thing happens every time we come to this table. We enter there into God's new creation. Our eyes are open to Jesus who says, I'm making all things new. Not just a little better, not just slightly improved, but new, brand new. Our story is one of death and resurrection, that we receive the new life of Jesus who is working in us and in all of creation to make everything wrong, right, and everything broken, whole. Every time we come to this table, Jesus meets us there, gives himself to us, and opens our eyes to see him and his kingdom coming near. And as Cleopas and Mary experience Jesus at the table They then run to Jerusalem, seven miles away in the dark, to share the news. And we too go out into this world to proclaim, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. That Christ has come near to us, shown himself to us, and we have seen and now know him. The disciples moved very quickly from confusion to faith because Jesus comes to them. Along the road, when they invite him in, in the scriptures, and around the table. So if you want to meet Jesus, he is right here. Come and receive him in. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this story and for the way that it continues to resonate in our lives and in our experience. That we too have been joined by you along the way of life. That we have found you walking beside us in our darkness and despair, in our moments of celebration and in our moments of defeat. That you join us along the way. We thank you, Lord, that you stay when we invite you in, that you yearn and long to come and be with us and live in us. And so, Lord, when we ask, we receive. When we seek, we find. When we knock, the door is opened and you come in to eat with us. We thank you, Jesus, that you also unlock the scriptures for us, that these stories and words that are sometimes very confusing and difficult find their meaning and their purpose and their end in you and you alone. That when we come together and in prayer, the Spirit teaches us and opens our eyes and our lives to see you on every page, that we might be joined to you and serve you more faithfully. 
And we thank you, Jesus, that you join us at the table. That you give us your body and your blood. That these are your gifts that make us into your people. So Lord, in all of these ways, come to us again today and in the week to come that we may know you and your presence, that we may step a little bit further out of darkness and confusion as we seek you, and that we might step into your light and your life. So come, Lord Jesus, in the power of your Holy Spirit and for the glory of God the Father. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.